pray for us now today as we go on week two of talking about a sensitive topic, uh, money, and that it would be a topic that if anyone feels threatened, that your Holy Spirit would help just relax them. And really today as we talk about contentment, uh, you would help each of us find contentment in the gospel, in you, Jesus, in your love for us and, and show us how bountiful um, your love for us truly is. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so we are in week two of two of a series on money, so it's a short series. Uh, we're going to probably come back to this in a little bit. Today, we're, we're really talking about contentment today. Uh, the subtitle of our series is, does it, Do You Control It or Does It Control You? If you look at the statistics about money, the amount of debt the average American is in, I'm sure uh, many of us in this room would put ourselves in there, uh, it, it can feel like money's controlling us. It can feel like this thing is out of control. And God, last week we said, has... 2,300 verses in the Bible about money and possessions. That's a lot. So it's really important that we, we dive in and we talk about money. Uh, this is a slide I used last week. God, as I've kind of looked over scripture, and there's a ton of passages on money, again, I encourage you to read the daily devotional to get caught up on that. Um, God's intention with our money throughout scripture, I've kind of bolded down to this. Don't be greedy, be responsible with it, and be generous using it to build up the church and the oppressed. Uh, last week, we also had a slide of American capitalism has its own intention of what to do with your money throughout Scripture. And it was things like, get as much of it as you can, only use it on you and your kids, and oh, the poor and the oppressed, they did that to themselves, don't let them bog you down. You just keep going and, and create a bigger pile. And, and we're influenced by that culture because it's the culture we live in. It's all around us, and it's really important that we study the scriptures and God's will for what he wants us to do uh, with our money. This was another slide from last week, and this was a very rough, uh, just quick put together, uh, what could a, a budget look like of what God wants us to do with our money. So I talked about tithing last week. I won't get into all that of what that kind of means for a new covenant, New Testament Christian. Today, you can check that sermon out. It is on our, our website and everywhere, you know, that we, that we post that. Uh, but the idea here is there's some essential things we're to do with our money first, and then once we've done all those things, we can go out and spend it. We can have fun. We can buy things. We, and that's number nine. Uh, you know, just let's, let's, go and let's just go spend money. But what do we normally do? We take number nine and we put it where? Number one. And then we go, why don't I have any money to tithe or to, to pay off my debt? Or why do I, I keep going into debt so I can do, you know, my, my fun? Uh, we talked a little bit about just, you know, uh, not having the discipline to buy groceries and going out to eat all the time and just spending money in that way and, and uh, because we put number nine first. So today, um, what I, what I want to talk about is why do we do that? That's really what I want to talk about today. Why do we do that? And again, it's not bad to have fun. It's not bad to buy things once all these other things are taken care of, right? So if you're a person that feels like I have to have the newest clothes, I have to have the newest shoes, I have to have the newest car. I can't stop buying things on Amazon. That Amazon driver just keeps showing up in my driveway and there's always a box there. I don't even remember what I bought and I open it up and go, oh yeah, I bought that thing because it felt like I needed it. Is the Holy Spirit moving right now? Is the Holy Spirit moving? <laughs> there's some married couples that are getting in trouble right now. There is, 
So, so we just, and it's like, we just need more and we need more and we need more and we just can't stop ourselves. And now we just have to push one button and there it is. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Particularly again, if numbers one through eight aren't being uh, dealt with first, this, this is a major problem. Okay. So this is the reason that we do it. This is the reason that we do it. Uh, this is, uh, just, you know, uh, you, it might be a cliche phrase, okay? But uh, you may have heard it said, we have a God-shaped hole inside of us. There's a God-shaped hole inside of us. We are, we are looking for love. We are looking for validation. We are looking for acceptance. And when we buy things, that is a way to find those things. We shove those things into that hole as if those things will give us what we are ultimately after. Okay, we're going to come. We're going to come back to this picture throughout the sermon. Uh, next, before we do our discussion questions, so those of you that are new, welcome. We do one more round of discussion questions with your group. They're very non-threatening, and they're just to help you uh, get to know your group and and help get you into this material a little bit. Um, I will not ask you to pull out your, your bank statement and show it to your group or anything like that. Don't worry. Uh, I'm going to show you two TV commercials here next. So they're going to be videos up on the screen, uh, sound, get ready for them, and they're cell phone commercials. And I, there's two commercials I hate the most on TV, cell phone commercials and car commercials. Uh, the absolute worst, because both of these inventions have the, the innovation of them has been ex thoroughly exhausted. Right? Like when you went from a landline to a cell phone, that was a big jump. When you went from a cell phone to a smartphone, that was a big jump. Well, guess what? We've run out of jumps. Like when, when we went from the, the horse and buggy to the car, that was a big jump. Okay? Anymore, there's no more big jumps to make. And so these marketers, I feel bad for them. They have to come up with commercials of like why you should buy an $80,000 car because the cup holder will keep your coffee warm. You know what I mean? Like, and you'll see this in these cell phone commercials. They have to come up with the dumbest ways to get us to buy these $1,000 phones because they're all the same. Like, in, all right, all right, all right. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Watch these two commercials, and I want you to think about what is it they're trying to sell you. They're obviously trying to sell you a phone. That's not the answer. What is it they're trying to sell you that'll fill up that hole inside of you? Okay, and then you're going to talk about that uh, in, your, in your groups uh, afterwards. So here we go. Here's the first one. There must be lights burning brightly If I can dream of a better land Where all my brothers walk Right, and uh, commercial number two, again, what is it they're trying to sell you? First of all, if you buy a phone, is that going to happen to you? <laughs> no, okay. No, it's not. Lie number one. All right, uh, let's see what this one's trying to sell you. Have you seen my new phone yet? It's like folds in half. I would never switch to Samsung. I love my phone. What? Folds in half. You see, I love my phone. I would never switch to Samsung. <laughs> All right. 
I, I had an Apple, I had an iPhone commercial too. We're gonna, uh, I just, I couldn't do three of them. And that last one I had to do because it's so bad. It is so stupid. I had to throw the flip phone one in there. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Oh my goodness, just wait, just wait. I have many, many thoughts on that. All right, go to your groups, and here's your two questions. We're gonna give you five or six minutes on a timer. What are these TV commercials trying to sell you if you buy their product? And the second one, what advice would you give someone struggling with discontentment? I'll pick on, I'll pick on the iPhone as well. I almost showed, played this commercial. I just thought it'd be overkill if we just watched TV commercials all, all morning. Uh, but I did grab a still shot from this. Okay, so. Uh, I won't do group you know, discussion, but probably some of the things you talked about that these commercials are trying to sell you if you buy this phone is you'll, ha you'll buy friends, you know, you'll buy community, you'll buy connection. And there, this may not be an official word, but you can buy coolness, right? Like this idea, I, can't, I can only think that's what they're trying to sell with that flip phone, is like if you're the, that you're the cool one Whose, whose phone flips, and then people think you're cool somehow. Like the guy at the end of the commercial was like, wow, she's so cool, my phone doesn't do that. And in coolness, we, we receive what we feel like is love. We feel like we receive acceptance. We feel like we receive value in that. But what I find is hilarious is these, these companies, like I said, they've, it's all worn out at this point. So. That new iPhone, and again, if you own these phones, it's totally fine. I'm assuming you got a good deal from, you know, your, your carrier. Maybe you, maybe you got a, a, a half off or something, right? I'm just giving you a hard time. My point, again, with all of this is um, every product that's sold to us is like this. And what we do is we put these as number one on our list before the more important things are covered, and then we run into problems. So just a reminder of that. But I do find it funny. The new iPhone 14... They're advertising, you can get it big or bigger. And this, the song behind this, in this ad, it's a song about big and bigger. And what's hilarious is back in the day, phones used to market themselves for being small. There was a phone called a razor because that's small and you didn't want like a giant brick in your pocket. And now they're like, look how big this phone is. It's the size of a laptop, you know? <laughs> like, look how cool you'll be carrying it around as you talk on it. Like, Put in, you need a backpack to carry. It's just, it's, it's funny. It doesn't, and the flip phone, come on, like the flip phone, guys, the flip phone, the, like, can you imagine that meeting at Samsung? They're like, I have this breakthrough idea. Some 12 year old is like, you, nobody's ever heard of a phone that flips. Like, um, everybody used to have a flip phone. Now the only people with flip phones are people we make fun of because they're so out of touch with technology, right? No, if we get a phone that flips, everyone will want it, and it'll be super cool. It's, it's, it's funny to me that um, these are the ways coolness gets marketed. It's very arbitrary, right? This idea that these things can give us love, acceptance, value, uh, it's just, it's such a myth, guys. It's just such a myth, and... and um, Frankly, this sermon can be applied in so many other areas of our life. We're putting it in a money series to talk about um, the stuff we buy, but you can easily apply all of these to our relationships, uh, to the ways we go outside of God's design for sex, and we think, well, this person will give me love, acceptance, and fulfillment, uh, taking sex outside of marriage and singleness and in marriage and lust and all these things. That's another series we're going to get to in a few months. Uh, but there's so many ways 
that we seek love, acceptance, and value to fill up this hole inside of it. Uh, if we think there's a chance that this can be satisfied, we'll bite. If I think that new phone will bring me friends and acceptance and connection, I need that more than anything, so I'll pay anything for it. If I think that new fill-in-the-blank will give it to me, I'll bite, because I need that more than anything. So, back to our little list here. We say, I can't tithe because I need this hole filled first. That's more important. I can't pay off my debt because I need this hole filled first. I, I'm, uh, like I said, as long as it's empty, nothing else really matters. So I'll put anything in there as long as this is empty, whether it's sex outside of marriage, pornography, all these sorts of things. I will go after it because I need that hole filled in my heart before I can focus on anything that God wants me to do. So let's open up scripture together. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I'm going to have it on the screen. If you want to uh, pull out a Bible and read along, you are welcome to uh, or pull out your phone and follow along on your app. Uh, Paul says this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, the context of this passage is actually about giving. It's about a, a church that was giving to Paul. But within the, a context of giving, there's this golden nugget wedged in there about contentment, which you guys started talking about a little bit in your small group. Paul is telling this, the church, he says, I know what it's like to be well-fed, and I know what it's like to be hungry. It's easy to be content when you're well-fed, right? It's hard to be content when you're hungry. I know what it's like to be content when I'm living in plenty, when I'm living in wealth. It's easier to be content, we think. We think. But he says, I also know what it's like to have to be content when you're living in want. And you don't have to turn here, but I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 28. And Paul gives his resume for being in want. So I want you to listen to this list of experiences that Paul, who was one of the early apostles, early church planter, wrote many of the letters that we have now in the Bible about his life in ministry. And here's some of the things that he experienced. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, so I want you to think about contentment in each of these spaces. In prison, I have been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's getting whipped in the back uh, with a cat of nine tails. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked 
Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Another translation says the daily anxiety of my uh, concern for all the churches, which I can relate to. A lot of us can relate to that, having anxiety. Okay, Paul is, did you hear that? Would anyone sign up for that job, by the way? <laughs> like, this is the guy saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? He, he, when he says, whatever the circumstances, you put what you're going through in, it doesn't sound as bad as Paul's. By the way, he was single his whole life. So if you're, if you're, if you're going, I just need the perfect guy, the perfect girl, he didn't have that either, okay? So he's found some secret to contentment that we need to find out about this morning, which is what we're going to attempt to do. I think when we look at this passage and it says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, I think if we allowed that to sink in, it would honestly blow our minds. Because let's be real, how many of you, myself very much included, go to God in your prayer life and you say, God, change this circumstance. Everybody get one in your head. I'm not going to have you share it. Just get a circumstance in your head. You need it changed. It is really hard. You are suffering. You are saying, God, if you're good, you will change this circumstance. And, and we preach a lot of sermons on here's how to get God to change that circumstance. I hope he does. But there's a secret to contentment, whatever your circumstance. Paul says, whatever your circumstance, I can be content. Not change my circumstances and then I'll be content. The secret is found in verse 13. He says, I can do all this through him. Some, some of your translations say through Christ because he's talking about Jesus here. I can do all of, of this through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, if you grew up with the King James Version, you learn I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, that verse is a little misleading because you can't actually do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Sorry. You can't jump off a building and fly. I love the football posters of the guy like, holding the football. I can do all things through Christ, like score a touchdown. But the linebacker can do all things through Christ too, and he can tackle you. So uh, that's not exactly what this verse means. Uh, it's talking exactly about contentment, you guys. It's talking about when you are going through suffering, whether you are well-fed or whether you are hungry, you can get your strength from Jesus. Instead of getting your strength from a phone that flips, okay, you can get it through Jesus. Instead of getting your, your love, your acceptance, your value through a phone that flips or that can exchange photos in an instant with a friend or whatever in the world, you know, we're being sold. We can get our love and our acceptance and value through Christ who gives us strength. That is the secret. And you also notice that what Paul does, we call this the gospel. If you hear the gospel talked about in church, we're talking about the good news of Jesus that saves you of your sin and that gives you an unlimited access to love and value and acceptance that you can't find anywhere else. So what I want to do is try to show you how wealth and poverty are both put to scale with the gospel, which I think is what Paul's doing here. He's like, look, I've been hungry and poor and I was content in Jesus. And I've been wealthy and well-fed. And I've been content in Jesus. So here is what happened. Here's what happens when we introduce uh, the gospel. So first of all, before we get to that, um, Rabbi Hyman, don't know how to say that last name, Shoshkel, 
It's a good one. 1954, he proposed that happiness is not having what you want, but wanting what you have. I like that. I think there's, there's a lot of truth in that. Let that soak in. Happiness is not having what you want. <laughs> Sorry. Happiness is not having what you want. So I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. That'll make me happy. No, no, no. Happiness or contentment is wanting what you have. I already have these things. Again, this could be items. This could be your singleness. This could be the person you're married to. This could be whatever. You fill in the blank. There's a lot of truth here. Um, the air that we breathe, right? Being grateful for today, the gift that God has given us. But this only really works if you have Jesus. That's the point I want to make, and I think that's the point Paul's making. This only really works if one of the things you have, if the main thing you have is Jesus, when he's the one that fills up that hole inside of you. When he fills up that hole, it enables me to be able to want everything else I have. Because if I don't have Jesus filling that hole up, trust me, I still want what you have. I still want what the commercial has. I want what that other person has because they can fill me up. But when I'm already filled up, it's like Thanksgiving dinner, you're full, you've had three servings of turkey and pumpkin pie, and you're bursting at the seams, you go to watch the Lions lose another game, and a commercial comes on the TV for Burger King. Is anyone going out to get Burger King in that moment? No, you are satisfied on good food, okay? Versus going to the grocery store when you're hungry. Anyone do that? Bad idea, okay? Don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry because everything looks good and you're throwing all kinds of junk in your cart and you get to the end and you didn't even buy the stuff you needed and your, your bill's <laughs> expensive and you've eaten half the cookies already before you, you know, before you even checked out. When we're hungry, we'll, we'll, anything looks good. I don't think we can be truly grateful for the things we have until we're full on Jesus and then everything else becomes a gift. And here's how that can happen, okay? So, Here's a couple of different Christmas trees. We just, we just celebrated Christmas. You, you may have had a tree in your house, depending on your stage of life. Uh, you may have had gifts under that tree. <laughs> Which of those trees would you want to be yours? <laughs> um, if the first tree on the top left was yours, it would be natural for you to want the one on the far right, especially if you're a kid. Okay? Especially if you were a child. I have three of them. Trust me. It would be natural to want that. Uh, it's natural for us to say, I want what they have, and if I had it, I'd be content, even though they're not content with it. Now, a couple things I want to say about these three pictures. Number one, if you had that first tree in the top left, you might be unhappy. You might be sad. You might say, why did I get a raw deal? That other person got all these presents, and I only got two. Let's start out by saying a gift is a gift. A gift is a gift. If I gave everybody a gift today, like a real gift, I bought a gift for each of you, and I gave it to you, and I gave Josh's gift, and he said, only one gift? What's up with this? I want more than one gift. Where's the rest? I would want to smack him upside the head. I said, Josh, I got you a gift, man, a gift. You're not, he wants five gifts, like one isn't enough? How many times do we do that to God? How many times do we do that to God? Say, God, this is all you gave me? This is it? I do that to God all the time. So what we have to start doing is looking at what we actually deserve from God. We're not gonna get into it in the sermon, but in your devotionals, we get into it deep. So check out the devotionals for this week. We don't deserve God's gifts. 
We deserve his wrath. It's bad news, okay? It's bad news. We're sinners. We don't deserve the relationship with him. We deserve eternity separate from him. That's what we deserve. So when he gives us his love, he gives us his grace, he gives us forgiveness, he gives us relationship, it's called mercy. Mercy is giving somebody what they don't deserve. That's mercy. To me, it's the greatest gift in the universe, the mercy of Jesus. Now, picture all three of these trees, and I want you to picture uh, everybody has a tree in their house, and they all have varying amounts of gifts under them like this, but everybody has one extra gift, and it's really, really large. It's really, really, really large, and I'm going to show you to scale how large the gift is, okay? So this is the gift. Uh, it's the size of the earth. It's not the earth, because that'd be weird, like you don't get to have the earth, but it's the gift the size of the earth, and it's under your Christmas tree, okay? So your tree could be any one of these three, but you also get a gift this big under your tree, okay? So um, this is the size equivalent of the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus for you and for me. Do, do we have, I don't know how we're even able to comprehend the magnitude of the treasure that is the love and the grace and mercy of Jesus. When we worship, like Desmond was leading us in, or sometimes we can kind of crack that door a little bit and experience a little bit of that. You can experience that sometimes in your life in the presence of God where you go, whoa, like I'm forgiven of my sins. The God of the universe loves me. My best friend is Jesus, the savior of the world. The creator of, of the universe is my best friend. Sometimes we get a little glimpse of it. The size of the love and the mercy and grace of Jesus that he has for you. So on the next slide, I'm going to do a size scale of this gift versus uh, the small gift tree, remember the small gift tree in the le top left? I'm going to compare that to the size of, of the gift of Jesus. Okay, ready? Uh, the, we'll start with the big, the big gift tree. Sorry. So here it is. The person with the big gift tree here, there's your tree, and then we're going to put Jesus under the tree. Can you guys see where the um, big tree is on there? It's to scale. So we did like, uh, you know, I'm trying to, Josh, I just want to like pick on you and make fun of you. Let's do it. Let's compliment you and deprecate me to scale Josh's basketball skills versus mine. If there was a chart, Josh's would be very high. Mine would be very low. Okay. See, I'm, I'm doing a good job. Um, now, if we were to go, if we were to go run a mile, if we were to go run a mile and then we put our times together, it would be, it would be to scale, right? So that's what I'm trying to do here. The tree is up here uh, with all those presents. Remember how many presents there were? It's up there. You just can't see it. It's like somewhere over here because that's so big. When you zoom, some, you know, you got to zoom out a little bit because it's so big. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because this gift is so big. Guys, think about it in money. Let's say I had $1,000 and Josh had $5 and then Victoria comes in and gives us both a trillion dollars. Does it really matter that I started with 1,000 and Josh started with five? You see what I'm trying to say? Okay, all right, all right. So let's do this again. Person with the small tree that's like, man, I want that big tree, I want that big tree. Here's what the small tree looks like compared to the gift of Jesus and his love and acceptance and value for us. Because it's up there, you see the small tree? It's, just, it's hard to see because this is so big. It's right there. It's, it's, kind of puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Puts it into perspective. Okay, 
So we have a choice now. We have a choice. Paul said, did you remember in Philippians 4, I've learned to be content. You know what that means? This doesn't come naturally. We don't know this naturally. We have to learn it. I get to choose every day. I can either look at those two presents and be frustrated with God and live the rest of my life in discontent, which is a terrible prison to live in. And I've lived too much of my life there already. And again, it's not just about money and possessions. It's about your relationships. It's about your skills. It's about your talents. It's about your health. It's about your job. It's about so many things. We can look at the things we have and go, this isn't enough, God. Or we can look at the gift of Jesus that we have in him, the love and the acceptance and the value, and we can say, thank you. Whoa, you mean I get all this. This is how I can do all this learned contentment through Christ who gives me strength because he's filled that hole up inside my chest. I found what I'm looking for. And when I get mercy instead of what I deserve, then I can see everything as a gift. I don't deserve the love of Jesus, but he gave it to me. And when I can see everything else in my life, my wife, my kids, my job, your singleness, your friends, the chair you're sitting in, the person next to you, the coffee you're drinking, Mosaic Church, as a gift from God? Wow, what a different way to live. What a different way to live. But I want those gifts that they have, God. We can choose which one of these two things that we focus on. I may not have blank, but I have the overwhelming, massive love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus in my life. And, and this is how I can do this. So this is a series on money. This is how we can live this way. This is how we can live this way. Because number one, I care more about God's priorities. Because the love of Jesus is amazing, and I get to experience it, and it overflows from me, and I can't help but want others to experience it too. And to orient my life around those things that maybe that's more important than you know, the phone that flips six times. That's coming next. It's going to be the next cool thing. But your phone only flips four times, John. My phone flips eight times, dude. So I'm so cool. Maybe, maybe if I cared more about God's priorities, it wouldn't matter if my phone flipped four times or eight times. And I don't need, number two, I don't need number nine to fill the hole inside of me because it's already filled. It's already filled. And guess what? You have a lot more fun anyway. You have a lot more fun when the fun isn't your God and you can just enjoy it for a gift from God. You hear me on that? When the fun isn't your God, you can enjoy the fun a lot more Amen. because it's a gift from your God, not your God, which will always let you down if you turn it into an idol. All right, so back to our, our, our home passage here, and we're going to wrap up with this. Um, give your circumstances to God. Just give your circumstances to God. And it's hard. Guys, I don't expect it to happen in a day, but give your circumstances to God. And honestly, repent for making them an idol. Repent for thinking that your circumstances can fill that hole inside of you. But I want to remind you today that that hole is already filled. We're going to take communion here in a moment. And I love communion because it's a weekly reminder. The night before Jesus died, he took bread and he broke it. And he, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took a glass of wine and he said, this is the blood of my new covenant that's shed for you to forgive you of your sins. 
Do this in remembrance of me. We need to be reminded that we're already filled. Be reminded of Jesus' love for you. It's undeserved, it's overflowing, and it is a gift. And lastly, ask him to mature you in your financial discipline and your generosity, both to his kingdom, I should say to his kingdom, both to the church and to the poor and the oppressed. And we're here as a church because we want to help you grow. If you want a budget counseling session, we are here for that. Put it on your connection card. If there's pain and hurts in your life, we're going to have prayer team here in a moment that's going to be able to pray with you. Um, 